That was awesome. And uh, that was fun. All right. Let's, uh, I'm going to go invite. Uh, that was a good conversation. I learned a lot. I wanted to talk more it's, about it's the whole, Rob was into the insurance stuff. And I, interesting to note that, uh, again, I'm getting all ethereal and all this kind of stuff. But, you know, the insurance, if it wasn't for insurance, we wouldn't have, you know, fire standards, fire protection. We wouldn't have. So That's when fair. you said mean time to exploitation, right? You think about fire rating on safes, or you think about firing yeah. materials, and and in how things are extinguished in certain types of how we even zone today. All that was yeah. done by insurance companies. It wasn't because yeah. you know companies want to save buildings. It was insurance companies, and I think yeah, we're yeah, going to yeah. see that progressively get more and more sophisticated as we move on. Sorry, I'll stop now. Hey, that, that, right. That's totally fair. I, does anyone actually ever? Does anyone actually say "mean time to exploitation"? Or did I just pull that out of my out of my out of my? That's my, old school, man. I, That's think you super just I was gonna say. Up. I feel like I went deep into the into the into the bag, right? Yeah. Yeah, you uh, reached yeah, way yeah, back. You went way past ten years into the twenty twenty five year range, man. That was cool. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's all coming back to me. <laughs> uh, all right, so uh, Jeff, Jeff, are you there, Jeff? I'm getting a browser issue, so I don't know if you can hear me. Ah, there you are. We see you. We see you. Oh, there you are. Okay. Don't move. Unbelievable. (laughs) Don't move. (laughs) All right. Actually, I think we're going to have to turn off off the VPN here to make this a little faster. Hang on. Uh Uh-oh. Uh-oh. The the dreaded VPN. Uh The VPN is not 10 years ago, right? That is like 17, 20. (laughs) (laughs) I think the VPN, Jim, is the VPN officially old enough to drink? Yeah. Oh, yes. <laughs> it's as old as it gets. <laughs> oh, man. All right, Jeff. Uh, okay, so two, two new people uh, back into the uh, second hour of this episode <laughs> 500 extravaganza. Uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start with the, uh, the, the one that jumped in first, the, uh, inter- the, uh, the security industry's uh, most snarky uh, analyst, oh, uh, the one and only Mr. Anton Chavakin. Welcome, bud. Perfect. Thank you. Well, of course, I have to say former analyst at this point, but whatever. <laughs> You're recovering. <laughs> <laughs> recovering animals. <laughs> and then, uh, and, and you can't have a conversation about uh, about infosec without this guy, Jeff. Do you remember what episode you were on with uh, on the show originally? It was something like seventy five or something. I don't think it was that far in. Oh, Hold on, I'm gonna... it's funny. I remember it though because we were talking about uh, internet governance stuff, and I was wandering around, and I so I was living in D.C. at the time. So, yeah, yeah. that was a while ago. It was at, uh, let's see, hold on, hold on. Uh, okay. Ep- <laughs> Buff- you, you were off Buffering. just a bit. Uh, you were on episode six. Uh, <laughs> yes. What? Wow, yeah. What, what year is this? What year is this? November 21st, 2011. 
Yeah, oh, it's not yeah, big. Far into the past. It, I think I, Jeff. I think we were at ISSA International, uh, perhaps. Oh, that's right. That's right. In, in, in was... Baltimore, <laughs> beautiful Baltimore. At at the height of the uh, Occupy uh, good times, right as we had to walk past the campers uh, at that time, it was fun. That's right. Yeah, man, your memory. Take me back. Yeah. It's, so it's funny. I bet if you go back and listen to those earlier ones, you, you'll find out like 80% of it's still true. Like nothing ever changes yeah. in our field. So this it's is great. depressing a little bit, but yes. Yeah. So I had – you guys, if you're listening to this and you haven't gone back in the catalog, go listen to that episode. That episode is awesome. And then go listen to episode 100, which was with Dan Gear. I caught up with Dan. It's got to be about two or three years. The last time I was at RSA, so it's what, three years ago now I think? And I was like, hey, Dan, like I got – you know um, – it's been a while since you were on the show. I'm like, uh, we should have you back to talk about what's changed. And he looks at me and goes, short conversation. My beard's longer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, no. But he's that, lost oh, Jeff. No. Jeff. Who is doing all this? Who is launching all these themes? Like if you haven't been – if you're not like constantly retraining in a year, you're useless as a security person. I've seen them on Twitter and I'm like – where do these people live? Like, what, 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 what are they dealing with that if you don't train hard, then you, a year later you're useless? Like, I was always kind of befuddled by that. I saw that uh, I, I, there was an Elon. So there, somebody posted an Elon Musk uh, uh, quote today uh, just a little while ago that basically said that, um, uh, you know, if, you, if you're not technical enough to, to, to manage your troops, uh, you're worthless. And it uses his, like, a commander of the cavalry. Uh, it's it's kind of like the commander of the cavalry not being able to ride a horse. And I'm like, I, I mean, I see your point, but we're not riding horses anymore. And uh, technology <laughs> moves really fast. So, uh, hey, Jeff, are you, are you back? Are you, are you, are you uh, I, I don't know what happened this to you. This is my, uh, my VPN joy. Yep, yep. Oh. There you go. Let's see. There we are. That was my VPN joy, but I think I heard a little Elon Musk in there. Yeah. So there was there was a quote somebody posted a, a little bit earlier. The podcast like Beetlejuice. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> if you say his name three times. <laughs> no, but it was like uh, somebody said uh, asked him about leadership, and I- I'll have to go back and find it. But it's like um, yeah. his quote was, you know, te- non-technical people. Uh, a software manager should be able to write beautiful code. If not, then it's like a cavalry, a leader of the cavalry, not being able to ride a horse. And I, I've been, I've been thinking about that all afternoon. Right. And I'm like, I, you know, is, I, <laughs> ride the horse at all. I, so or ride I, the horse Elon better Musk than is, every, I, every man. I, yeah. Yeah. Go ahead, Jeff. Yeah. I think okay, Elon so is brilliant in certain areas and in other areas, he's totally not brilliant. Um, just like pretty much everybody else that's on the spectrum somewhere. <laughs> like us. <laughs> and, yeah, exactly, like us. But how do you um, – doesn't the, the person who's managing the people need to know how to manage the people? And from what I can tell, one of Elon Musk's magical mm-hmm. powers is he finds the right people to run SpaceX or the right people to run Tesla. Mm-hmm. He's not in there running any of this stuff. Right. You know, he that, is that's, a, that's exactly a brilliant it. front person. So, I mean, as far, I mean, as, far as I know, yeah. he's not out there designing for uh, you know trajectories and and calculations to land rockets. Are you serious? I mean, he may be, but I <laughs> will. Are you sure about that? <laughs> right. By the way, I think I think I told me he was. <laughs> I, I think if you let the technical people do the technical thing, you end up with Amazon, where 
there's like no human soul in any of it. And it and it's all like min maxing your ad revenue and stealing, you know, sales data from competitors so you can make better Amazon generic oh, products. But I don't think it's uh I don't think that's the way we want to build our world. Sorry. Yeah, yeah. But uh, funny enough, uh, I, I was going through some career documentation here, and I don't want to reveal too many deep secrets, but uh, there is some kind uh -oh. of a standard that a software engineering manager should program as well as a person of some lower level. Like, basically, he mm -hmm. should be able to ride a horse, but not be the best cavalryman in the unit. And there's a standard enough. to what extent he should ride the horse. Like, he cannot not ride the horse at all, but he should not be like the best of his cavalrymen. I think to me, that's a fair assessment. But is it okay mm -hmm. if I, this is building on the horse analogy. Yeah. Is it okay <laughs> now we're just going to go person, down cavalry. We just got all kinds of horses all over the place. But is it is it okay if they may have rode a, a lesser horse years ago? They may not be able to ride the new great fast, super fast horses. Now, that's the thing I'm getting into is yeah. that I, th I think you need to have, at some point in time, if you're going to own a restaurant, you need to have washed dishes, weighted tables, you know, and understand it. Right? I'm really into understanding things because you build skills. I used to always say you build skills, apply them over time, you get knowledge and knowledge over time, you get a bit of wisdom. I don't mean that if I want to go buy a restaurant, I'm going to go shoot right back and start washing dishes again and screw it up or start trying to cook something. I'm going to goof it up. Right. Mm -hmm. But I, I think there's, there's something to be said for, scars and bruises i think i think you need to go through it may have been a different time a different generation different technology but it's fundamentally the same scars and beatings you know you have to kind of pay your dues a little bit i think in some ways um but i don't think that you have to, if you want to you know lead a calvary you don't necessarily have to be the best horse rider in that group you don't want right. to be i right? think that, and, and by the way into my and my by the way we're not in we're not in combat and we don't need people on horses right now <laughs> oh, oh do you, uh, Jeff, you just said we're not in combat. You're going to anger like 50% of the cyber yeah. people out there. Yeah. <laughs> we're in cyber <laughs> war. Whoa. <laughs> I know. I'll get a, I'm on the digital high ground with my kill chain, and I'm going <laughs> to. Oh, my God. Stop <laughs> it. <laughs> Stop it. Oh, he, he's going to push you into the moat. He's going to push you into digital mode or something. Yeah, with alligators. Digital, naturally. Down to what are you expecting from the management role? that you have are you looking for somebody that's just leading people and building people and help mentor them along the way or are you looking for somebody that has that technical to be able to be sort of that lead engineer and saying okay when hard things come up somebody's got to make a decision how do i determine who makes that decision and you know how much emphasis are you putting on the people that you have do i have somebody that's below me that's lead enough just like with the CISO conversation we just recently had yeah, right you know, I, mean, I remember back when i was a developer i mean i had a manager that did not develop and when we go into meetings and they'd sit there and say yeah we can have that in, in three days and you're like no we can't <laughs> like, you know, no. they had no they had no <laughs> development experience at all they it's were a the, people manager and that was a problem it's the you know, salesperson like, it's just yeah. Yeah. It depends on what you like. What is that role that you're looking to fill? Are you looking for somebody to be able to just people manage or you're looking for somebody to be able to actually mentor what they're doing and also do people management? And I think a lot of roles today are not just people managers. They are technical managers as well. Yep. 
Yeah, All right, I'm gonna can, can, can I yeah can, can, can I change gears? I, I, I want to I guess because this we're gonna we're, we're, we're gonna we could be flogging a dead cavalry horse for a while now. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so let me ask this because I've got, I've got Jeff and I've got Anton and these guys both have some experience in in looking at the big picture. Jeff, I'm gonna start with you before your VPN drops again. You have to rejoin. Yeah. In 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 the in the decades since since we've had you know that that's passed. Okay. What is the single biggest advancement you think that this industry has had? Move to cloud, I guess. Okay. You know, I mean, I I like to, I forget who made it. It's probably a Dan Gear quote because everything's a Dan Gear quote. But it was the, um, when everybody moved to cloud, the cloud providers inherited everybody else's uh, threat model, right? Those guys (laughs) have every threat model from every customer. And that's quite different than the world we grew up in. Yeah. Interesting. Right. Anton, what about you? What do you think? Yeah, I was not about to say cloud because I felt like it would be a little like self-serving and all that. <laughs> but I, the thing is that I've, I'm scanning through a list uh, and I'm just not seeing anything as dramatic in its scope of change as cloud. Like, I, I, I'm not, as, as you know, as you well know, I'm not an AppSec guy. So maybe there is something deep in AppSec that completely changed I don't know. I'm not gonna. If I say, if I give any examples, I would look like a complete idiot. Like I would say, "Oh, Java is better than C," and you guys are like, "Oh yeah, welcome to 1998 or something." Like, uh, so <laughs> you're, you're picking up Anton. <laughs> click, 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 click. <laughs> so uh, my point is that I don't know all the domains, but if I go through the domains, I know nothing bigger than cloud comes up. Cloud okay. is still. Uh, I'm, I'm just gonna be like boring. And just like sad, and we just go with the previous guy's choice. <laughs> <laughs> Will, I'm going to ask you the same question. What What do you think? Uh, let's see. I mean, as big as cloud is, right? You know, it's it's oh. the ultimate transference of risk, and it's leveraging someone else's mainframe. Right at the end of the day, right? Conceptually, <laughs> um, I, I I tend to believe, and this is going to be a departure, but I tend to believe the advancements in visibility from a detection response you know point of view have been you know rather dramatic as have the evolution, um, the evolutions that have been manifested in, in and related to preemptive capabilities uh, from a threat mitigative point of view. Those, those are pretty dramatic to me based on what I saw, you know, when I first started coming out in the 90, early 90s and where I've, where I've seen things evolve today with regards to deep, uh, deep learning neural networking, the applications of really advanced mathematical models, you know, as it relates to characterization of threats and potential threats and getting into predictive mm-hmm. forecasting. That to me is really int- intriguing to see because it takes us into a, into a new a new era of evolution and innovation into our space. The cloud is important, and it's but to me that's, in, that's important infrastructurally in the same way that, you know, shifts in routing and switching have been important over the years, right? And virtualization have been important over the years. It's always going to be important because that's the infrastructure. But I think from a disciplinary perspective, there are other things that are more interesting to me that allow that allow us to either model um, more adequately or more or better put more efficiently and subsequently address things before they become a problem. But Jim? I mean, to me, the cloud okay. card is played, but the ML card is not played yet. Like it's going to forget horses. We playing cards now. So I think to me the <laughs> my paradigm is shot. To me, to me, the cloud card has played, but the ML card is not played yet. So I don't know. It's hard for me to agree with you. I, in five years, maybe. Okay, I'll try that. Sorry. I, yeah, I think, I, though, the, the thing with cloud, though, is it accelerates this move to centralization, 
and we started in a distributed basis, now everything is centralized and cloud makes that so attractive, right? It allows all these small to medium businesses that don't have security teams, that can't have security teams, and now they can have better security, right? So it's onboarding like this last half is gonna be cloud. And then once it's in cloud, it's such a convenient target for regulators, for GDPR, for whatever it is, right? That that's it's sort of the final state of the internet are these hyper-efficient, hyper-converged um, uh, cloud providers that are going to be regulated then. And so technologically, yes, it's maybe not that appealing, but politically, this is this is how the world's going to end up. Jeff, you, I think you hit the nail on the head, man. It, it is, I, I, I am telling organizations in many ways that to go into the cloud because of all things you've mentioned, you can get quick access to very, very good security. And, it, and it's almost like going back to the days, nobody ever got fired for buying IBM, right? You know, it, you just go with the industry standard. Can Amazon or, you know, Microsoft do it better than you can? The likelihood is probably yes. And they're going to be constantly evolving at a rate that's typically in pace with their own environment. But I have to say, when I think of a, that's, Theor- not, I won't say theoretical, that's an evolving evolution. That's where, that's the end state. We're going in that direction where I think people are going to start grappling with the realities that cloud is going to be better security for them potentially. But I think the advent of things like EDR or XDR, insert whatever letter you want, um, to Will's point, is I remember early forms of IDS. And now all of a sudden we have yeah. fairly pretty sophisticated software, you know, the crowd strikes of the world and all kind of stuff, able to do pretty amazing things on the endpoint. So now you have this weird scenario, like you said, Jeff, like hyper centralization, where now we can kind of funnel in that sort of um, all the things that that means, like regulatory things like that. But we now have these endpoints that are still exposed, even more so than they ever have been. But the technology is really advanced pretty quickly. It's like everybody's on board and we see this kind of separation. But, it's interesting. Yeah. It's very interesting. But zero trust will save us from the endpoints. Oh, <laughs> that's kind of that's trying to drink. No, yeah, everybody drink. No, so okay, you guys that just talked about cloud for a second. Okay. So you mentioned like Jeff started it, Anton got on it. Uh, we're 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 talking about cloud. I would believe you, except that I'm still explaining the shared responsibility model to people. Mm-hmm. Right. I, I I would go even further to say that it's really not. It's 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 mainframe constructs that have been repurposed and rep, you know repatriated. Correct. To the no, this is like a stupidest thing ever. I'm sorry. You gotta you, you finally tweet me because because cloud is just not somebody else. It's not just somebody else's computer. People who think that cloud is a mainframe or somebody else's computer are the reason for most of the security problems in the cloud. Because they think they're just copying their thinking yeah, from I'm the not, server client I'm not to the su- cloud. I'm not suggesting that. I'm not suggesting that you 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 transfer all the risk and all the responsibility to the provider. What I'm suggesting is is that from a theoretical construct, when you talked about thin client and distributed versus centralized, we're back. We've gone full circle. We're back to being centralized, right. which yeah, is but, what mainframes but, allowed us to do. But now in a more grand scheme, right? It's it's a much or, more or grand this, model. The stateless workers kind of model, which was <clears> yeah. Really exactly, possible. which has nothing to do with mainframe or anything. That part, like microservices, containers, there. Well, containers maybe, but like there's the that's stuff new. is just brand new for the cloud. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But that's cloud. That's a that's part of cloud DNA. And if you toss this out, you are copying mainframes to the off-premise location. I had Anton. I had I had domains and con- and containers on my E10K in my Solaris boxes 
Back well, in the early you're right. Yeah, there is that, but you're kind of like I will fight you on that one. Solaris, yeah, Solaris, <laughs> but you kind of, that's cheating, a little bit cheating on oh. containers, a little bit, not a lot, but you're right. See, we're not all idiots. Some of us work on some products, Anton. <laughs> yeah, I, 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 I stared. I stared at some really confusing Solaris stuff in my day, and I really scarred for life, just like you are, I think. Just and so, yeah, sad, sadly, that is a good example. <laughs> well, so, I mean, James, what about you? What do you think? I, I, I mean, I wouldn't go, but, I, you know, I, I wouldn't go cloud necessarily just because I live in the application space. So the stuff that I see hmm. advancing so much from an application standpoint is you know, really two things, right? This sea of change that we have of application security starting to becoming embedded in with development, but really the push of the frameworks expanding that they're more secure by default for so many things that I can go build an application out of the box and I've already got CSRF protection. I've already got XXE protection. I've already got all these different things. And I think that, you know, great. We have the cloud, but everything, you know, the world is software, right? So if we're not protecting that software, the things that we're doing that we're not writing everything in C anymore that is just so out there and, and vulnerable, uh, but we have all these new frameworks that are coming out that mm -hmm. are protected by default, I think is making yeah. a huge, huge yeah. impact for the, yeah. the difficulty we've had of trying to get security into developers' hands. Yeah. Uh, but as what, much as not our fault. Well, but we're I mean, just starting, though. You could argue there. I mean, threats. We haven't even had, we haven't had actually said yeah. threats, you know. But we're just now beginning to tilt up, and the threats are still moving at light speed, compar comparatively speaking. Yeah. Wouldn't you agree, James? I mean, progress is progress. That's good, right? But do you feel like the threats are still just still just yeah. honest from that perspective? I mean, I think we're we're dropping hmm. certain vulnerabilities. We don't see them as much. I mean, we're still in the situation that, you know, you look at Verizon data breach reports, and it's still... SQL injection that's the main, you know, cause, right? Like, but we have yeah. frameworks that do that, right? So we still have legacy systems that are out there. But, you know, are we chopping down on the number of vulnerabilities introduced into an app? I think we are, you know, hmm. depending on if you're using more current versions of frameworks. But yeah, like we're still seeing tons of new threats coming out. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we, but so wait, um, that's another card that's a big potential, but not quite played yet, right? That sounds like a, like ML. It's a we're getting there. We're starting. We're we're heading that yeah, direction, right? It's yeah. a big. It's, yeah. it's been a long change. I mean, I've been talking about that for, you know, six seven years. So it's a slow moving change, but we are starting yeah. to see a big push as of recently, which is really nice to yeah. see. I I I gotta tell you guys, I uh, I had hope, uh, in the direction that James is going because we. Back in 20, 2008 to 2014, I, I did a lot of AppSec work in that space. Um, and I, going to all those uh, OWASP conferences, I remember some – as we started doing – James, what was the uh, – OWASP developed a, uh, um, a library that you could use that would sanitize Asapi. stuff. What in the heck – ISAPI, thank you. Yeah, the ISAPI library. <laughs> yep. And – it, it was, and it was, and it reminded me of uh, all the uh, uh, cryptography built-in libraries, all the authentication libraries that are already built, that either a get implemented poorly, or a dev some developer goes, "That's too complicated. I can do it easier," <laughs> and we're broken. <laughs> so all these protections that we build into software development mechanisms whether it's i mean look there were but, there were issues way way back where the java compiler 
would look at uh, the fact that you did a uh, you wrote all zeros into a variable before you released the memory and say that's inefficient. I'm going to take I'm going to take one of those out, right? And you're like, wait, you're freeing memory that I can go back and read later because it still has a variable in it. Now I've got I can potentially capture stuff from memory. Like we're 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 like I feel like innovation at some point is awesome, but it has to be used properly or used at all. Doesn't it feel like though that the the companies, the people that can advance it for us are the ones that are closest to the levers? So for example, you could complain all you want, but if Java fixes that, then it's fixed for the planet. If Microsoft fixes right. something, it's fixed for the planet, right? And so with this centralization, a lot of our complaining, a lot of the complaints we get as an industry, like, oh, you security guys, you're not doing it. It really comes down to, well, we can't fix it. Microsoft has to fix it. Apple has to fix it. Amazon or whoever, you know, uh, Google for yep. Android. Mm-hmm. And so it seems like the more these regulators beat on these companies, the more they're going to have to accept the fact that they're responsible. They're the best position company. Their hands are on the knobs, right? Those compiler, they have a new compiler yeah. um, flag. As soon as Microsoft builds their operating system with the new com- whatever memory-free checking flag, everybody gets that benefit. Um, and that's, I guess, the move to app stores or maybe even move yep. to cloud. You fix it once and it's fixed across your entire cloud infrastructure. Yep. That just seems fundamentally different to me. And your mm-hmm. move, this move to passwordless also, like web auth n. Like we've been debating yeah. that for what, eight years? And it yep. took Microsoft and Apple and you know a couple of companies to force it. And now it's gonna happen. And it sucks that our future is in their hands to a certain mm-hmm. extent, but we just have to acknowledge it. Yep. So is, is our effort then best? I mean, Jeff, this is some of the stuff you spent a tremendous amount of time doing, right? You, you going and working with and, and Anton, you to extent too, uh, you spend time working with those companies lobbying the Microsofts, the Googles, the right. Amazons, right? The the it's, the Oracles. It's so frustrating. So I'll, I'll give you an example. Like I still maintain the DEF CON network. So I'm compiling the web server. I'm compiling our bind servers. I'm configuring our post fix yeah. mail. So, I mean, I'm, I'm doing all that just to try to stay a little bit current on on infrastructure. But when you're dealing with these other companies or governments, it's measured in years. I don't just download a yep. new package repo and recompile with a new fix. It's, I think one thing took eight years. Um, and so it's like half your life is at a very fast speed and half your life in yep. policy land is really slow. And you have to be okay with that or you're going to go crazy. And um, <laughs> I remember when, yep. when we did that first interview at ICANN, I was all hyped up on uh, DNS crypt. Right? DNS crypt is going <laughs> to save the world. Oh my goodness. And oh my what God. I didn't I remember that conversation. Yeah. Wow. I didn't realize that for some reason that smacks into the business model of Google. Like Google <laughs> does not want DNS crypt, right? So why do the browsers not support it? Why do we have HSTS SMTP where you have to get another certificate to do all this stuff to signal to your mail server that you want to do a secure mail connection when DNSSEC already does that better in DNS? But I don't instead, know. why Google don't we want to, that, Anton? Google had you to create. A, well, I have no idea. Lose a lot I... of. It, <laughs> so if you look at it, Dane, hmm. Dane protects your site before. Certificate transparency tells you that the barn doors are open after, and both yeah. can live in harmony. But for some reason, it was not a harmonious conversation. It was sort of an either or. Um, and so, funny enough, I was always impressed that I nobody have to, wanted it. 
Hmm. Well, they did want it actually. See, the mail servers, mail servers that are not Google, right? People that is not. If, hmm. if I think as Google is a web in company, Google didn't want it for some reason in browser, so it died in browser. But the mail server mm. operators love it, and it lives on in Dane because it's fantastic for mail servers. So one was not really beholden to the other, and so they've they've forked. But what I'm my point I'm getting at is that even though when you think you've got this technical solution that you can decide to implement or not, unless you understand other people's business models, you might mm. not be going anywhere. And and I hadn't fully had that sink in. I was like this purist, yeah. like it's just one more standard in the pile. People adopted it if they want to, and I didn't realize. No, some people will actually come for it. Well, Jim alluded to this earlier, Jeff, and he, he you know, layer eight, right? I, I always joked about the layers eight, and nine of uh, the secret layers eight, and nine of the OSI model on uh, management and budget. Uh, right. <laughs> like, like you have to. It doesn't. There are things that I've seen in my career, and I'm sure you guys have all seen them too. Where you're like, this is a no-brainer. We should absolutely not do this mm -hmm. because it's a terrible idea. It will be right. easily exploited, and it's going to cost us millions. And somebody at the other end of the table goes, nah, I don't see it. And they just move on. You're like, what? How did that happen? How did I just lose that completely obvious conversation? And they're like, yeah, yeah. we're not going to do it. What? I had an email exchange once with the developers of Nginx because you could download their source code over HTTP, and they did not support HTTPS. And they said, well, you don't need HTTPS because we publish a signature and you can check the signature of PGP. And I'm like, but the signature what? is on the HTTPS site. So what is it was this? right before an Nginx got acquired by um, Big Five, I mean F5. And, um, and so they just didn't see it, right? They were sort of the risk model of we've got the signature, you can check the code, we don't believe in TLS. All right. That's 2019. What you? Wow. That sounds like no, no. So that was about machine. that was about 2000, about 2018, maybe. So it was a Twitter exchange I was having with them, and it's like it hits that wow. point, and you're like, okay, well then I'm done. What, what else can you do? One day they'll get a program manager or a company will acquire them, and it'll say you're going to fix it. Wow. Yeah. It, 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 look, I, I think the, some of the some of the things that. Uh, some of the things that I that I've seen not ever fixed, just simply there's no there's no good business case for, and it doesn't matter how bad of an idea uh, something is that you want fixed, if there's no business case to do it. Uh, I, I think I told you guys a long time ago. I think I've used this story before, but I, I was doing AppSec testing, and there was an app uh, that you could develop. That was so two thousand. Two two thousand one or so, and you could buy heavy machinery. Think million dollar type parts for jet you know, for uh, 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 hydroelectric uh, steam and gas turbines and such. And you could order the parts uh, on their parts ordering system uh, via a uh, via a, a web browser, right? And in their app, and everything was being passed as a parameter in the URI. Query right, so, so negative, including negative one, price, got a rebate, yeah, including <laughs> price. So I managed to get through the entire thing, and I ordered like a hundred thousand dollar part for a dollar, and I'm at the checkout, and I'm going, I wonder if I click OK if this thing will arrive at the office, and then yes. how badly am I going to get fired if I do this? And <laughs> and the business case was something like, guys, you will lose the delta between ten thousand dollars and 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 zero potentially on these heavy parts and they're like 
oh yeah, that's a no brainer to fix. I'm like, but you also have cross site scripting issues, and you're like, I, I don't, I don't understand. That doesn't no, make it, sense. It, 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 I'm gonna fix the one that loses us money. Right. <laughs> wow. Yeah, I have this current hobby horse I'm riding, which is I'm trying the to horse is all big eighty out of my net without without Eli on it. And I can't get rid of port 80. Microsoft requires 80 for like everything. You would think that after for updates, app updates, it would be TLS. No, 80s in there. Uh, yep. Defender, 80s in there. Uh, OS updates, 80s in there. It's in huh. everything. And I, I don't understand. You you want to have some you want to have some fun with your uh, with your uh, smart home? Turn off port 80 outbound. Uh, on uh, on 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 your at your edge and watch how everything breaks. Uh, even more fun. I recently did some uh, uh, reviewed somebody's network uh, after a vulnerability management uh, incursion. We'll call it. And uh, they had a, a fairly modern building where you know, like you could schedule uh, conference conference rooms and stuff using your badge and a keypad on the doors, like super modern stuff, right? Uh, we we we. Scan did a, did a quick phone scan of the place, and we're looking at it. And I'm looking at some of the output, and I'm and I swear to you, my first thought was, "This has got to be a joke." Like we've hit a honeypot, or 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 several. <laughs> they had Telnet and FTP open on over 150 hosts, <laughs> and I look at and I'm calling the guy, and I'm like, "Did I hit a honeypot? Like what happened?" He goes, "Oh no, no, no. That's how we do updates to uh, the entire phone system." Uh, and and how we update those things? They have a centralized console app that you that then you put the IP address of the other the thing you're updating and you FTP it and then you tell that in to issue the commands. And I'm like, did I fall into a time warp? It is still 2022, uh, yeah. right? Like what what happened? Yeah, maybe uh, Anton can answer this. I remember hearing a story about Google that you remember that the next gen business, what business next or what whatever they're. Um, sort of zero trust platform was. And they said it all worked yeah. except for VoIP telephone. That was the thing that broke their whole model. And uh, you know, that's you, a good question. A, what we do with this you now. You gotta yeah. have a telephone. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's probably, I, 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 I've heard about it, but it was some kind of historical artifact. So I'm gonna go start searching about it to beat some internal systems. It's something that I, I, I have no idea, but it reminds me of something I've heard around 2015, 16. I don't know what happened since yeah. since that time. I have well, a suspicion that are difficult. Yeah, difficult. Yeah. Yeah. Codexes are difficult, if, man. If there's a way around it, that'd be awesome because a lot of people could benefit from that. Were they having issues British... with the protocols? Was that a SIP issue or an H.323 issue, Jeff, or what was it? Well, well, so you know, the way that you could have this, this um, what is it, the trustless trust architecture where they could collect data on your endpoint and they could determine if it's you and and permission, you know, dynamically create these access control lists and do all of this stuff so there's no perimeter, right? Yeah. And uh, so, so the last was, complaint about it was 2012, yeah. actually. I found some, so it probably did not work in 2012, but I have a suspicion it's like oh. a decade since it was resolved. <laughs> or they just put it on a whole separate. Network. I don't know how it was fixed, but it's not, uh, I, I'm not, I'm yeah. not sure it's, a, I'm pretty sure it's not a current issue. Good. Maybe the boy provider. I was just you going to use that as an example of like doesn't matter if there's one technology anchor holding you back. But it's it's it shows up in a lot of Beyond Corp Zero Trust papers that document our own experiences. They would be like last twenty percent takes the last mm -hmm. like like 
five years of work for the last 20% is something like uh, I've heard it in the, in the Beyond Corp zero just adoption papers. Like, oh, there is this one application that needs a VPN. It took us like X years to do the rest and then like five oh. X years to do this one app. So this is like very much what we've told people and people are like, so now we can adopt zero trust in two weeks. And we're like, mm, no. <laughs> zero trust, zero trust. Oh, zero, zero trust. I, oh, by the way, I'm like, not drinking uh, because I'm doing it on a laptop that's VPN, this uses VPN, this remote access. So to me, this is like, <laughs> I'm not going to drink. This is very much an operational reality here. So I'm not drinking no. if I say zero trust. I'm allowed to say zero trust, zero trust, zero trust, zero trust, zero trust. See, I'm not drinking. <laughs> He's immunized. He's but back. How many, the, how many? You can only be immunized though if you belong to a hundred billion dollar company. That's, That's fair. fair. Uh, That's fair. That yeah. operationally uses the system based on these principles, right? Yeah. If you are still on VPN, you can't really joke about it, even if you work for a trillion dollar company. <laughs> how many versions of zero trust have there actually been though over the years? Think of the different ways it's been talked about in some ways right? john kinderman well, probably knows he's a historian of that as well as, as the creator he was trying to convince yeah I, 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 yeah john john's uh john's uh had some uh had some interesting thoughts on that i i think zero trust guys you know what really kind of irks me because we you know as people sort of that are are new that you know meet you mostly salespeople will tell you like oh it's zero trust it's 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 this amazing new concept and and I want to look at them and go, you know, we tried segmentation like in the early to mid nineties. Mm. We didn't get it right back then. And that spawned, I feel like if you guys, for those of you that watch uh, Disney's Loki, right? I feel like that's where the alternate reality sort of spun <laughs> and it just kept going. And now we bought the ticket. We're taking the ride because we absolutely lost our ability at the time to do uh, to, to segment properly. Right. We could have put workstations and servers on different subnets. We didn't. It was. It became too difficult. I don't know. Don't you guys remember and, and, all and the we, promises of NAC and eight hundred two out of eleven? Yes. And, yeah. Yes. You know, remember all I'm, the you guys? Yeah. So everybody's with me on this, right? I mean, I yes. can't tell you how many Man. networks I've designed, and then to incorporate the early versions of IPsec, the promises of IPv six and AH protocols, right. and and I remember thinking all of a sudden somebody goes zero trust. I'm like, yeah, that's like. 20 freaking years old, man. I mean, we, you know, certificates yeah. are 35 years a lot, old. A lot of those yeah. things, a lot of those things were part of the self-defending network initiative. Do you remember oh that? My this, this yeah. Oh my God. Oh my God. Systems have. Will throws yeah. it out there, man. That's a really old term. Yeah. I, that's I'm an bring old them all back. Spec. I'm, I'm bringing them all back. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Wait, wait, my is, favorite that part is, of, uh, is that part of moving target, uh, Will? Uh, <laughs> I think Zero Trust Initiative came out, was a Cisco initiative in 2004, 2005, yeah. right? The self-defending really? network initiative, yeah. SDI, SDNI was a big deal. SDNI was yeah. a big deal. Yes. Yeah, okay, big, I remember SDNI. It was a multi. It was a multi-year campaign that Cisco Systems had. They were actually yeah. talking about mm -hmm. leveraging the con the converged network endpoint yep. in network infrastructure at all points, yeah. switching yeah, remote right. switch fabric to defend against threats. It didn't yep. entirely. They were ahead of it. The, the, the horse was ahead of the cart. The network didn't perform as they had initially, yep. as they had kind of yep. you know broadcast and marketed so out <laughs> at the time. Yeah. But they it had the right idea. Cool. They were they it were like twenty cool. years ahead of XDR. Yeah. You know. They, but yeah. you know what? And what happened? Yeah. Even the acronym 
even the acronym got repurposed. So right now, if you if I search for it, because I wanted to f- find out the exact date, so I typed SDNI, and of course I get software defined network in the, at this point. So even the yeah, acronym yeah. has died. Think about the ancient history. Like even if you Google for an acronym, it's a different acronym in this place. This is I guess of, they can rewrite history, but we won't go. Yeah, there. it's like wow. <laughs> but oh, yeah, the yeah. Uh, yeah, you know, like another example is um, I was obviously you know CMMC CMMC kind of stuff is going on really heavy now, and I remember in the conversation, oh, I'm God. like, you know, I remember sitting in 1995 going through the SSE CMMI. Right, that kind of thing. Oh, yeah. and so all these things get repeated. So you know, like like the self-defending network Cisco did. That was like when they were trying to transition, like really get everybody on their MPLS platform or on their infrastructure. Yeah, right? so, they were really trying to drive everybody to adopt their their their, their acquired endpoint technology and yep. trying to get everybody on the on the MPLS and trying to demonstrate how the threat was detected. They could immediately sec, you know, they could immediately yep. quarantine and contain on a on a on a on a, on a VLAN. You know, and kind of all automatically, right? And so it was a great concept. They, I mean, it was it was they like got black that magic. Working, though. No, they, they got did. that working on it. I saw it they on did. an episode of Twenty Four, and they got it working. <laughs> <laughs> I love you, Jeff. But I'm gonna drop you Twenty Four in the security reference. <laughs> you, you if you, know, if you didn't see it, listen. If you didn't see it in Scorpion or CSI Cyber, it didn't happen. Okay, you know, Rob. Uh, John. Pierce was managing one of the product lines that was part of that. He was doing the IDS IPS uh, when when he was at Cisco Systems when that was the big. Oh issue. man, yeah, that's right. It was a, oh. it was a it was an amazing concept. They kind of they they set the bar pretty high for the industry, and to this day, no one can do it. They they talked about. <laughs> well, <laughs> to some extent, look, guys, this is this is kind of the crux of the of the problem that we live in is that security is at the intersection of. All the other levels, all the other ways that IT functions, the, the the human element, the transport, the application, the data, right? And then we have to think about usability and all these things have to function and work correctly for us to get uh, something that, that that isn't brittle. And the problem is security has to be robust, right? You can't, uh, you can't implement a, a solid security uh, a protocol or solid security measure around something that's that's rapidly changing and fluid, um, and so I but like so when we look at some of these things that we're trying to defend and put and put uh, protective measures around, like uh, the concepts are fantastic, but go ahead and implement that. Do you guys remember? So speaking of Cisco, do you guys remember in two thousand one? Do you remember a company called Okina? Yeah, that was, yeah, that, was the, yeah. that was the endpoint company the, I was talking hips, about. Yeah, if, yeah, if Okina could have not been acquired by Cisco, turned into CSA Cisco Security Agent, and then evaporated out into the nothing, which Cisco Cisco seems awesome at doing, um, then there is a. I mean, that was that was behavioral based EDR ish, like in two thousand one. Yeah, they were yes. doing boat buffer overflow exploitation mitigation. They yeah, were a lot of things that yeah. were kind of early. Yep. Yeah, it was kind of amazing. Yeah. Two thousand three, if I recall, they they were gone in two thousand three. So think about yeah, it. Yeah, they were toast. Like, yeah, we had a partnership remember, with them. Remember Tiller at INS? We had a partnership with Kina. Yeah, absolutely, man. I remember. Did you guys? Did you guys ever use a browser plugin? It was called Green Borders. You remember that one? Yes. Yes, mm, I, I remember Green Borders. Green Borders. It would it would virtualize your browser. And it put a green border around your browser. And it was like the very earliest positive use of, of sort of, right, virtualization. And then when you got done, you closed the green border. It collapsed. What was the company? 
It, what was the commercial was, company? Google. No, there's another one. Google bought them. Was that kind of like Sandboxy that Invincia ended up buying? Invincia, that's it. Invincia. Yeah. yeah. Invincia yeah, became a lot of vendor, right? Uh, yeah, they yeah. Uh, they did a they went from be, doing like the uh, the browser emulation and then they ended up they had a DARPA grant and they they came up with Invincia X so they jumped into the yeah. the signature ben list. Micro. Yeah, Sophos. They got bought by Sophos. Yeah, so they were doing oh, signature list. They were like a Silence com- competitor early on uh, when they. But did it's a more DARPA recent grant. one, more much more recent yeah. one though. That's 2017. This is not ancient history. Oh yeah, the no, sandboxes stuff that they had acquired was their 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 first Invincia's first you know use case was around. Browser-based emula- sandboxing, yeah, emulation. Yeah, I'm trying to think that evolved into a now like a distro. Now, didn't those guys break off? I'm trying to find it now, but they, they may have open source sandboxy. It's possible. I don't know. So Randy, I haven't heard you, that name in a you, long time. Yeah, you mentioned something. I I just wanted to go back and pick up on, which was you're saying it was uh, things are more complicated now, but I or more brittle. And I just want to point out, I'd love to get everybody's thoughts on this because it might just be. Um, me introspecting too much. And that's engineers that are building this stuff, software developers, whoever, we're making these decisions that are like, okay, more security. I'll trade off a little resiliency for more security, or I'll trade off a little bit of availability for more security. And you see this happening, like we have secure BGP, we have RPKI, we have some DNSSEC, we have all these things that when they fail, it kind of fails in a brittle way. We have certificates Mm -hmm. now that last only one year instead of three years. Well, I think what's happening is the engineers see a technical security problem and they go and they fix it. And at some point, the rest of the users and policymakers and the other people on the planet are gonna be like, okay, thanks engineers. Um, We need to be involved now in these discussions because you're making the entire internet super brittle that if one key facility dies, packets don't route. And that's a concern. We should talk about that. And I'm just wondering, at what point do we do, does it stop being a purely engineering endeavor and start having to include other stakeholders? So I had a mind blowing story to, to share on this, which is kind of strange coincidence. So can I go first? Otherwise, oh. I'll go anyway. So I was we were interviewing on our podcast. We were interviewing somebody who is in charge of. Please wait for it. Penetration testing of some Google Core AI systems which is like, I'm gonna be mind blowing episode. And so somewhere in the middle of this, he says, some of the techniques we apply to AI that, that help with security also increase resiliency. At which point I triggered and I'm like, what? Wait a second, you mean the other way around? It is, no, actually certain security methods we apply to AI are coincidentally improve resiliency. So there are definitely oh. systems that operate the opposite way. To what Jeff just said. And that caused me to say, whoa, I, I learned something. Like there's something different in the world here, in this, in this part of the world. Do you think they were designing for resilience or they just got it by accident? Uh, for this specific thing, apparently they got it by accident. Yeah, that's what I mean. Which is really, it's like a- they were designing for security. <laughs> the thing is that that component, it's, it's a, it's, I've never heard before that something that was made intentionally more secure, coincidentally became more resilient. I've seen the trying for resilience improved security, trying for security yeah. decreased resilience. That too, I, I know, so but I've never seen this, where... Yeah. So back when I was at, at ICANN, uh, Chief Security Officer, I was at a meeting, it was in, I think it was in, I don't know, somewhere in Eastern Europe. 
and uh, and there's always the same characters that show up at ICANN meetings. And and there's the the one guy from the the Russian Internet Governance Forum, and and uh, he he was always smoking a cigarette and he always looked unhappy. But he would hang around all the root uh, DNS operators. And at one point, people were talking about uh, the key ceremonies. And in for DNSSEC, there's two key facilities: one on the East Coast, one on the West Coast. And um, and they're in nicely secured facilities. And he kind of has a cigarette in his mouth, and he kind of laughs, and he goes, "Ah, <laughs> a two-car bomb problem." <laughs> wow! <laughs> wow! That's bad. Oh, and I was like, "All right, well, that's how the Russians think of these things." Yeah. Well, well, yeah. Yikes. I, look, that, th and so that is a, about uh, it though. That's legit. If, if, if DNSSEC was successful and the whole planet was running on it, two yikes. car bombs would take down the planet. Right. Don't you think, don't you see the irony of that though? Because you know, going all going way, way back, ARPA, you know, ARPANET was supposed to, you know, highly resilient, you know, global thermal nuclear mm -hmm. warfare. Right. It's like, it was the design principles there were supposed to prevent, we're supposed to, you know, accommodate. Yeah. You know, devastation of that magnitude, right? <laughs> right. Yeah, it didn't quite work out that way. No, yeah. there's too much efficiency, too much efficiency and centralization. Hmm. Yeah. Oh, Jeff, that's a really super good interesting. Yeah, it's it's a difficult one because I think is people are becoming the more and more diverse and complex. I guess you might want to say the environments combined, even though it's completely centralized. The depth of the cloud is getting pretty significant, and little parts of it are changing. And you know, at, to the tune of whatever you know, Microsoft, Amazon, Google want. Um, but I, I think is is you feel like you can only be successful if you start focusing. Everything's becoming very. I don't know if you guys are sensing it or feel the same way, but it's just massive hyper specialization. And I think Jeff, mm -hmm. to your point, is I think people are looking at these giant massive technical problems to the extent your brain can take on that much. So you just kind of focus, yeah. it's gonna work. Let's put a one year you know, certificate in there, right? And I think it's Well, just Jim, but that's, sorry, I, but that's that, that you said something earlier, looking at the problem through the, through the paper towel rule, right? Yeah. Like the, as this, this is my, this is my problem with, I, and I, I don't know I don't know where this goes because I, I talk to people that are getting into cyber now that have like I, I'll tell you guys I got into this space because I got I was curious back when computers you know I I, I was on a DOS machine learning x86 uh, MIPS risk programming uh, and, and you know on the on the green and black screens uh, my my first love was Turbo Pascal. Uh, so hate yeah. me for that later, but, um, yeah, roll your eyes. That's it's okay. I, I do. <laughs> Where did that go? Um, but, uh, but back like when we wrote, when I wrote, see, the only code I was ever good at writing is NCC, even, even, even like, uh, even MIPS risk, I was terrible at, um, but when his instruction sets were simple, but back then I knew, that a number of instructions made this this bit go over here and that did this and then now we are layers of, of upon layers above where we where we when we were learning when we stopped right yeah we stopped at this thing makes this pixel turn yellow or green now we're like 20 layers above that abstraction we don't even have like our programming languages that that are common these days are uh, abstractions of abstractions of abstractions. Think about uh, uh, about Python and Ruby and and Go and all these languages. Like, 
when you look at what C does versus what that what those do, they were layers of abstraction. And you ask somebody that I, I interviewed somebody a little while ago, and I was like, okay, can you explain to me how I think I asked uh, how how the, the the TCPIP handshake works? And they're like, do is that something we really need to know anymore? It, yeah. I, I'm yeah, like, it's it helpful. <laughs> yeah, we do. Yeah, we what? do. Yeah, we do. Otherwise, yeah. you're going to get owned in all sorts of bizarre number of ways. Yeah. And, and, and that there. is where we live today. That is yeah. where we live that, right now, the, where we're getting owned. That's mm-hmm. the that's the generalist versus a specialist debate. And I think the education system builds specialists. Um, mm-hmm. And the generalists have gotten squeezed out a little bit. But mm-hmm. it's hard to make the business case that you need a generalist when you just need 10 more devs on the project. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I'm not sure well, where that washes the- it's hard to make that business case too. I mean, right to your point, right? If I'm coding in .NET or I'm doing, you know, even Python, if I'm not dealing at the socket level, like show me yeah. one of the vulnerabilities that I'm falling prey to that are related to the TCP handshake, right? Because I have to really drop. Sorry, my time is up. So talk to you later. Bye, Anton. Good seeing you. Yeah, take care. It's a problem that extends beyond the developer, though, right? Because if the developers don't understand the protocols, they don't have facility, and they really don't understand the behavioral attributes of how a properly implemented protocol, according to the standard, is supposed to behave on a live network, then the analysts who are going to have to sit down, whether they're just traditional network analysts who are doing protocol analysis work. Remember when we all used to do packet trace analysis off of networks? You're not going to know what's normative and what's what. This is what normal is according to the RFC versus this is what's an anomaly or an outlier. And then it gets well, even more complicated when it comes to abuse of the protocols from a security. Well, everything is that's it. Everything's right an API now, and so you might not need to know it for one purpose, but for all this API debugging, you probably need to understand it. Well, I think well, yeah, that comes down to the debugging deep- side of it, right? Like understanding where people are at, and even a lot of people debugging, right? I mean, you're still debugging at the HTTP level. You're not debugging at TCP level of trying to really figure that right like that's what that abstraction has done to us is it's pulled us way out from that which as I was saying yeah, earlier, but when- right there's there's a lot of benefit to that and the fact that you know most apps are not written in C or C++ right. so we don't suffer from like you look at Chrome and the number of vulnerabilities they just released out of you know <laughs> like fixed out of you know 111 or something like that right like just tons of them and they're all use after freeze or they're you know something like that that the mainstream applications we're writing, they're not victim to those things. But every layer, but but every layer of abstraction, right? So let's, let's maybe the TCP handshake wasn't a great example, but you know, but if you say go back to what Raf was saying, like coding, right? You know where the bit is, you make a color, you make something function, and there were you know two or three layers from what made that computer tick, right? Now we're thousand layers from that. Oh, yeah. You know, you grab your cell phone, and there's all kinds of stuff going on. And not only is every layer creates another crack in the armor for somebody to get into and infiltrate, then because the user is so far away from what's actually happening with that device, now all kinds of things that are intended for good purposes add multi add a sort of an extra color to that rainbow. So we had three layers of black and white film from the 50s right when we were first doing stuff in the, in the 80s and 90s now we have you know technicolor and it's it's 4d whatever you want to call it and so it's become to the point where you can develop things with drag and drop and but I, and i'm not saying it's a bad thing that's terrifying. what i'm saying is that these yeah every single layer 
is an absolute avenue for attack. And that's why we're getting owned at every single turn. I wonder if- and so you have to know these things so you know the, what those layers are. So I do believe you need to know a TCP handshake to Absolutely. be effective. Because that's a yeah, lost layer. Yeah. It almost feels but like Jeff. there's a job opportunity to be like the optimizer or the simplifier or something where you mm. say, okay, um, for 5% more in cost, you can get rid of, or 5% more in effort, you can get rid of these three whole other packages or dependencies. Yeah. But And over the long term, you'll run less cycles on your cloud instance, so it'll cost you less or whatever. But it seems like people would always be stacking these switches and I'd say, can I take a crossover cable from the firewall and plug it <laughs> right into the web server and then bypass all these managed infrastructure? And they're like, oh yeah, we could do that too. It's <laughs> yeah. just, no! <laughs> it seems like there's, there's an opportunity once you have enough of a general understanding of the stack, technology stack, you can sit there and start giving people uh, advice on how to optimize out and simplify. And once you simplify, you have less attack surface. And I think we're going to get to this sort of through the back doorway of um, cost management on cloud. Like all these people are starting to try to optimize for spend. And all of a sudden they realize they don't need to run half the stuff or there's a better, yeah, simpler package I out there. I agree, but also, ironically, I sort of also disagree. Look at some of the massive applications that are out there on the cloud, and they've created entire ecosystems of hundreds of providers of modules and apps and plugins. And, and uh, you know, and now everything, when you get an application now of any significance, it has like a storefront, right, where you can get these sort of policies and plugins and things of that nature at a large scale, you know, the the sort of Salesforce scale of of things now. So I, I do agree. I think, I think it's funny you mentioned crossover cables because I vividly remember stacking like, 40 nicks in a firewall to, to do that kind of stuff to get rid yeah. of infrastructure. But besides that, but I, I think, I think we, we're kind of circling back around a little bit to the whole point on the, the, the cloud is truly disruptive. Right. And I think we're seeing it, it sort of expand a, quite a bit, but I think we're going to see the security stuff have the opportunity to compress and maybe compress some of those layers. Maybe we do find a way to somebody to Guys. optimize it in some way. Yeah, Jim, my fear is this. As as things get more abstract and cloud has absolutely done this to us, we have cloud engineers that uh, are, are layers above where uh, some of the really good hackers create yeah. their opportunity. Yeah. So this is, and Jeff, this is something for you too, right? When, when we get into this, and I've got three minutes, so I'll keep this rant short, but when we get into this discussion, I, my concern is that as we can, as the IT side of it continues to abstract further to make it easier and easier to use and build, the problems underneath the cover continue to mount, and it takes somebody that's got that level of extreme detail to be able to understand it. And but once it's exploited, we are absolutely screwed because we're all gonna be like, I don't even understand how that thing makes that. That's so many layers down. I don't get it. Like it, it, it's it's not an API thing. It's it's like in the, you know, when we're talking about uh, Spectre and Meltdown, right? We're talking about instruction sets and and the way processors behave. You try to explain that to most of the folks in cyber, they're like, what? And it was it was a weird conversation at the time, and clearly not well understood by how many people ran around and freaked out. But that's um, a, but that's a that's a that's indicative of bigger problems, right? Like we were saying with regards to just protocol analysis, how many people really teach and preach 
the merits of traditional packet capture and 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 walking <laughs> a trace and saying, "Tell me what you see from this capture. What's what's your right. normal look like? If you can't speak to what your normal looks like on your network, chances are you're not going to be able to defend it really well." Right. Exactly. All right, guys. One minute. Um, in, in 15 seconds or less is when it's going to go around really quick. What's the thing if we that that's going to change? That's going to massively change security in the next decade. Like, what's the positive thing that's going to happen? Jeff, I'll start with you. I got it right here. It's my YubiKey. YubiKey. All right. YubiKey, you've got everything on there. You've got one-time passwords. You've got security key for browser login. You've got smart card for SSH login. You've got everything, right? You've abstracted it away from the laptop. You can't get at that thing. You get that to my mom, and now I'm not so worried about her. Okay. Will? That's one thing that's going to change. Uh, gosh. I'll give me a second. I'll, I'll, I need a little more time to think about one thing. All right, James? <laughs> I, I'm still going with the the increasing awareness and getting security in developers' hands. Because even with uh, the key, which yeah. is great, if the people that haven't implemented the software properly on the website. <laughs> <Don't>. Yes. <laughs> yes. We rely yes. heavily on them to make sure they do that right. That's that's true. Jim? That's a hell of a question. I always think in things of negative. I guess I would be in trouble if I said zero trust. Just kidding, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> drink, take you a drink. You broke up. I didn't hear that. <laughs> uh, I, I'm, I'm going to go out on a limb, and I think uh, things like behavioral type of scenarios, I think when we get that right, it's going to get really interesting really, really quick. I mean, we're doing it well okay. today, but I think it could get it could get very, very interesting moving forward. All right. Will? Yeah, I guess I guess kind of following suit, I would say uh, real-time threat prediction and forecasting based off of mass data collection and then the right yeah. type of mathematical models. Okay. All right. Well, guys, and everybody, and uh, to Rob Hansen and Diana Kelly, Mr. Jeff Moss, Will, Graduate, Mr. Jim Tiller, and uh, of course you, James. Uh, guys, thanks for uh, being on board for this one. Uh, everybody that listened live, and then the tens of tens of you that will watch this later. <laughs> thanks for uh, thanks for joining. It's been a joy doing these 500 and uh, I look forward to our 750th episode. You haven't, and, our aged a, and you haven't aged a day. Yeah, that's, that's my secret. <laughs> <laughs> and on that note, what? I thought it was a portrait hidden in your attic. Oh, that's a good one. I like that. That's the, uh, yeah, Dorian Gray reference. Nice. All right, folks, thanks for listening. This has been the 500th episode of the Down to Security Rabbit Hole podcast. Thanks for listening. We'll catch you guys on the next one. And uh, thanks. Ciao, y'all. Bye-bye. As we fade out on another Down the Security Rabbit Hole episode, we'd like to encourage you to chat with our hosts and guests using the Twitter hashtag PoundDTSR. Please check out the show notes, catch up on any episodes you may have missed, and subscribe so you don't miss a future episode. Our website is whiterabbit.net, W-H-1-T-3-R-A-B-B-I-T.net. So on behalf of Rafal, James, for now it's goodbye. We'll see you soon on another Down the Security Rabbit Hole podcast.